Hello and welcome to our eighth episode of Naturally Educated. Today we'll be exploring a couple of things among which we will talk about a couple of uh, sustainable alternatives to your everyday products. We'll also look into how closely youth are connected to environmental issues. We'll finally talk about some community initiatives you should really know about. Our guests this week are founder of the Green Club at Khalifa University, Munira Esheba, and the UAE Nature Ambassador, Aisha Ashahyari, who will be bringing a lot of their own experiences to the conversation today. So how would you define a sustainable product? Well, I mean, generally, a sustainable product is one that's been designed and made in respect to environment and the consumers. So, you know, this comes into, you know, from like the aspect of collecting the raw materials to mm. processing them, assembling, uh, and even transportation, believe it or not. Um, everything has to be sort of eco-friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, these are products that you'll see, uh, in, in, you know, in the form of reusable bags, paper straws, or even clothes made of uh, recycled fabric. So, Maja, do you actually know why sustainable products are important? I mean, I know they're good for the environment, but like, do you have any other details? Of course. So, you know, not only are they important just for the environment, but, you know, they reduce your carbon emissions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, by using renewable energies or other alternative forms of energy. They also save natural resources. These are, you know, when they adopt recycled materials, you know, these can really make a huge impact. They also help... Uh, local communities in general by creating jobs, which in effect contributes to building a greener economy, like you know, yeah. in the lar- larger picture. Sure. So yeah, they have a great impact on the environment. Um, although, do you know how people recognize cre- uh, sustainable products? Well, I, I actually do. People can look out for different things when they buy a sustainable product. They can, one, avoid products with excessive packaging. Um, you can buy products with certified eco-labels. These labels are there to help you better identify what you're buying. Um, you can use products made from recycled material, like paper or even recycled bottles of plastic. You can use products that are biodegradable. This will ensure mm. if they do end up in landfill that they do break down faster. And you can buy products that use less water. And they're sometimes even indicated with certain symbols. And these can be found in many different ways. So first of all, you can check websites or labels of those products, like I mentioned. Um, There'll be green certifications and other country-specific ones. And then you can look out for the recycling symbol and the numeric code, which consumers can use for personal recycling. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool, actually. Some people, you know, a lot of these products make it easier for you to make the right decision, especially yeah. nowadays, you know? Well, this is it. And there's so much information people are trying to absorb. That's why labeling on a lot of products is important to help make informed decisions. Mm-hmm. So let's let's think about this. Why is this important for us now? Well, you know, unfortunately, almost all industries have a harmful impact on the environment. Um, actually, I have some stats for you. Would you like to hear some? Yeah, let's go. All right, all right, all right. So a couple of industries here we'll talk about. So first of all, the fashion industry, right? Mm. Believe it or not, cotton has a much higher environmental impact than many synthetic fibers. Really? Yeah. I mean, this is something, you know, mind-blowing because... Yeah, you think it's a natural product, right? Yeah, but, you know, a lot of the cotton produced use chemicals... Uh, toxic pesticides and fertilizers of course just to you know eventually give you the final product on the farming Um, side yes of course exactly 
So in, in contrast, actually, organic cotton uh, uses around 88% less water, uh, 62% less energy, and also obviously 100% less uh, fertilizer. So you're kind of um, avoiding using all these fertilizers and, and toxic chemicals. Um, but yeah, that's just the fashion industry, right? And secondly, the food industry, for for example, has a quite has quite a large environmental impact. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, you know, the food industry itself accounts for almost thirty percent of greenhouse gas emissions, and also generates thirty three percent of the waste uh, in general. That's so that's, crazy. that's quite a lot. Yeah. That's, that's so so something that we take for granted is actually making such a very large impact, and that's. That's something that everybody sort of needs to keep in the front of their mind when we're talking about food. That's mm-hmm. a lot. I wonder if young people are aware of this at any point. I mean, like yeah. for me, it kind of seems like something we're just not always thinking about. That's true. I, I really wonder that too. I mean, there's a lot of youth in our world, right? Today, there's around 1.8 billion um, youth. Basically, mm-hmm. the people aged between four, 15 and 24, according to the UN, that is. Yeah. Um, and the number itself is expected to grow even bigger in the future. Wow. So it's, it's really tough. And I think, you know, no other generation would feel the need to adapt to more sustainable products <laughs> and practices as, as, as much as they would, you know? Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. And, and this youth participation is crucial. But supporting that requires you know, everybody to get together. It needs to be inclusive. Mm-hmm. They're going to outlive us. Like that, let's let's all agree <laughs> that the youth, the, the younger generation are going to be the ones that outlive us. And they inherit, you know, the environment. Fair point. We've seen also, I mean, if you haven't already seen her on the news, but Greta Thunberg, 18-year-old Swedish environmental activist, My she's favorite. known globally for challenging the world leaders to take immediate action on climate change, Right. She really asks the hard questions. There's also Malala Yousafzai, and she's mm-hmm. a 24-year-old Pakistani activist for female education, and she's also the youngest Nobel laureate. Wow. Who's encouraging young people to pursue, you know, green jobs and be part of, you know, solving the climate crisis with their communities. Mm-hmm. So there's so many, so many young people already getting involved. I even think the UAE has some inspiring young people fighting for their environmental right as well. Oh, yes, definitely. And we are very glad to have them. I actually have two stories for you. Uh, yeah, let's hear this, it. So there's this 13-year-old environmentalist, uh, Sainath Manakandan. Uh, she, he found a way to um, find innovative solutions uh, for some environmental challenges within the UAE. Um, and while he was doing that, he was raising awareness as well within his circle of friends uh, and encouraged them to take action uh, for a positive change in his community and towards sustainability. Cool. Uh, There's this other kid as well, 16-year-old, that found a way to encourage young people uh, by learning to code when she was only 10 years old, right? Oh, whoa, that young. Exactly, and she managed to create an environmental website um, to encourage others to take action. So th- these are really inspiring stories to hear within the youth and how they're, they're really committed to, to changing things. So that's really amazing. I also found a recent study about whether nature was a priority for youth in the UAE in the COVID-19 recovery. It was done by Emirates Nature, WWF, the Environment Agency, of and the International Fund for Hubara Conservation. 
So, first off, at least 73% of the 1,600 young people polled said overconsumption was a behavior they would most like to see changed for good. They say 9 in 10 want the country's environment prioritized in decision-making. And at least 96% said they would favor brands that support a green recovery with almost four in five saying they would like to see an increased culture of social responsibility and environmental conservation in the UAE. That's overwhelming. Yeah. And then three out of four said reducing single-use plastics should be one of the first issues tackled. And almost all said not enough people understood the long-term risks associated with exploiting nature and its resources. So I think this podcast is perfectly timed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And uh, sort of inspiring to see that the younger folks are actually more you know, aware of, of all these issues that we're dealing with. So awareness is great, but what is the UAE youth actually doing about this? Well, uh, quite, quite a bit, actually. Um, I mean, it wouldn't be a surprise that the UAE really believes in its youth, right? Yeah, and it is the case here too. So, so an example of that would be Youth for Sustainability, a part mm-hmm. of Mazdar. So that effort actively supports the development of young people in becoming the sustainability leaders of tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I mean, fun fact: I was actually one of those people as well. I was no one, way. I, I took a part of Youth for Sustainability. Yes, that's um, awesome. As, as a um, Mazdar student, and and did you enjoy it? I, I really enjoyed it. So it takes place around the Abu Dhabi Sustainability Week, which is a week-long yeah. event. You, you're familiar. Yeah, with I know course. it very well. I've spoken at <laughs> multiple uh, multiple years. Yeah. Yeah. So within that, you get to not only meet um, amazing personalities that are concerned in in, in these topics, but mm-hmm. also you get to participate in a project. You meet. Uh, people from all different countries around the world and universities. And it's just a, a really fun week, honestly. Amazing. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. So in terms of the Youth for Sustainability, they aligned with the UN Sustainability Development Goals, or SDGs, mm-hmm. uh, along with the UAE's national strategy uh, to introduce a series of programs focused on students and young entrepreneurs including the Sustainability Ambassadors Program, as well as the Future Sustainability Leaders Program. I also heard that the Ministry of Climate Change and Environment and the Ministry of Education launched the Our Generation Initiative a few years ago. Have you heard about it? Huh, not really. Tell me, tell me about it. So it involves developing a school curriculum that raises awareness of students and encourages them to take measures to reduce their carbon footprint. So the curriculum is built around successful models of Sustainable Mm. School Initiative and the Sustainable Campus Initiative that were initiated in the Environment Agency of Abu Dhabi. The UAE also created youth circles, and these were used to raise awareness on climate change and environmental sustainability. They included sessions at the COP22 in Marrakesh, the Climate Change Conference in 2016, where 30 youth joined over 200 UAE delegates to experience the international climate change negotiations firsthand and to highlight the UAE's climate change initiatives. That's pretty cool. I love the youth circles. I have to be honest. I've been to a couple yeah, you've of them. Been to them? Uh-huh. Yes. So I think schools are also doing a lot across the country, right? You have the yeah. Ministry of Climate Change you mentioned earlier, uh, as yeah. well as the Ministry of Education with the Environment Agency Abu Dhabi introducing the sustainability programs and green curriculum in every school across several subjects, uh, including economics and science. Yeah. 
You also have the Eco Schools Initiative, actually, launched by as a global initiative by the Emirates uh, Wildlife Society, uh, mm-hmm. which encourages environmental action in schools. That's amazing. There is so much happening. So many young people getting involved today. Maybe we should ask some of our very own here in the UAE. So some questions about what else can be done. So I'd like to turn to our guests today. It's the UAE Nature Ambassador Aisha Ashehyari and founder of the Green Club at Khalifa University, Mira Asheba, with a few questions on the topic. So they both have a lot of experience in the field. Munira, for instance, has been involved in the environment through EAD's Sustainable Campus Initiative. Uh, first of all, welcome Munira and Aisha, and thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you. Hello. Thank you for having Hi, us. Thank you. Hello, guys. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. So maybe you guys could tell us a little bit about yourselves. Maybe we start with Asha. What does it mean to be a nature ambassador? So a nature ambassador is, was an initiative and in collaboration between uh, Emirates Nature and uh, EAD uh, to elect 28 youth ambassadors in the UAE to make a movement from youth to youth. Super. Munira, what about you? Uh, yes, so starting 2015, I joined the EAD's initiative of the Sustainable Initiative uh, Campuses. Right before then, we started the Green Club, for, uh, and we slowly started doing green audits across the campus and slow the initiatives towards a greener campus. Uh, and Amazing. Well, as we're talking about a greener campus, I'd like to posit the question maybe to you, Aisha. When we're looking, about, like, when we're looking at sustainable products, Do we know what kind of better alternatives there exist to everyday needs, like say maybe school or in what we consume daily, like water? Are there always alternatives available? Of course, there are some ways that are alternative um, to the regular uh, one-time use of products. For example, uh, tissues, we can have our own piece of cloth that we carry, we carry around and use all the, throughout the day and clean it at the end of the day. Reusable masks, since we're in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, any reusable bags while going to shopping, you know, a grocery shopping or even normal shopping. Um, reusable glass bottles for water or reusable yeah. stainless steel uh, bottles for our hot beverages, coffee in the morning maybe. Um, yeah. And for school items, um, there are some pencils that are basically uh, made out of wood. However, at the mm-hmm. end of them, there is um, a small uh, pack of seeds in which you can plant Uh, the pencil oh, I've seen those. Uh, into a fertilized uh, soil, which is something really cool. So uh, instead of Pretty throwing creative. the pencil, and mm-hmm. I just plant some herbs. Um, and um, we, we as consumers, we can go ahead and select pens or pencils that have the least amount of plastics, as mm-hmm. plastics take longer time to degrade. Cool. Um, by the way, hot tip for everybody. I knew from my German grandfather, that piece of cloth that you can reuse They're called napkins, and there was a generation that oh. used to carry those all the time. So that's a little bit of uh, huh. information for everybody. Carry a napkin. <laughs> Not a paper napkin. This was a real, like, proper Hey, guess napkin. what? We Cotton. actually have a similar yeah. thing here. Remember when you were younger, the wazar, right? You could just use it. <laughs> There you go. So it's not only German. Yeah. Still carrying that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that, of course. So actually, I have a question for Munira. I want to address... Uh, A question regarding, you know, how, how best, from your perspective, for us to get out of this excess mentality of, you know, um, consuming, 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 and adopt some sort of a minimalistic lifestyle? 
Yeah. So now nowadays everything has become easily available and with internet and smart payment options, it became much more easier. So even if you don't need it or you don't want it, it just makes you say, why not? And just buy it. So we need a serious mindset and behavior change to step out of this mentality. Yeah. So simply by focusing on what you have and take a look across your room, your house and see what, what, what you, what you have in on your position. Maybe you can find another usage to what you have instead of the mm-hmm. new thing that you might buy also uh when you before you buy for new new things always ask yourself do i need this or do i want this uh mm-hmm. yeah i do fe- that all the time now yeah how freak because it's different there's a difference between a need and want and uh wh- will i be how how much will i be using it and uh also people tend to go for lower quality because they tend to be cheaper however uh, those ones leave you unsatisfied and they last they yeah. don't last you long so they're not mm-hmm. really a sustainable option so although the good quality ones although a bit more expensive but they will last you a longer t- time so these small changes can definitely reduce uh, those habits of excessive yeah well, one thing I actually uh, have been contemplating a lot about and I think you know our society sort of have yet to address this. It's when it comes to gifts and gift giving, mm-hmm. right? Oh a lot of goodness. people will give you a gift and not think about the implication of that gift, whether you're going to use it, whether whether it's good for the environment, and whether you know it's going to be, let's say, reused to do something else. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm. When it comes to gifting, I have a very mm-hmm. practical mindset. I always want to make sure that if I'm gifting something, it's useful to that person. That they will use it regularly. So I sometimes I just ask, but um, I always like to understand and see if that gift can be useful. And um, speaking about that, you know, buying cheap and then it maybe not lasting in terms of quality. Uh, I used to know a, well, I still do know him, but he was a leather worker who told me a story about his grandmother when talking about buying a, a, a cheaper material. I think it was a bag or something, and she used to say, "I cannot afford to buy cheap." And by that, mm. the thinking was if you buy cheap, it'll break sooner or deteriorate and then you have to buy a new one. So you've spent twice the money. But if you had a good quality one and there was a time when people used to maintain their products as opposed to just buy a new one and throw it away, um, that's definitely something that sort of needs to come back. I think it's cool um, uh, in a sort of a nostalgic and also in terms of an environmental way. I guess. I um, mean, but here's the thing: would you would you buy or keep a pair of pants for like ten years? That sounds like too much, right, bro? I already have a pair of pants <laughs> oh, that's more than ten years old. <laughs> Especially when we're talking about denim. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wash it very little and keep it for long. Um, although All I've right. had to part with some cool jerseys. Um, yeah, it just made me look like I was trying to be 18. Anyway, <laughs> so, well, seeing as there, there, there's all of this thinking that we need to work on, I was wondering, maybe Aisha, you being the, 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 the nature ambassador, do you know about what local community initiatives are around, maybe community initiatives that we should know about when it comes to this? Yeah, so here in the UAE, we have several uh, community in- initiatives that involves the community um, into the work of it. For instance, citizen science, it's an initiative to monitor the um, 
where where this where the turtles will be uh, laying mm-hmm. their eggs uh, on the beachside, and it's a, it's called citizen science. So citizens yeah. will be going early in the morning, checking the places and making sure if there are some turtles passed by and laid eggs or no. Um, another initiative um, is the Connect with Nature. So this yeah. is this is an initiative that um, I became an ambassador part, uh, as part of it. But um, it's, it has a lot of uh, activities in which it is very easy for everyone to uh, join and very easy for everyone to explore. And they have this um, a rewarding um, system in which you can have a badge. Either it is an impact badge or explore badge. So it gives you this sense of, oh, I'm doing something really great. I love it. Like gamifying uh, it. Yeah, basically. yeah, big time. And you can go on to hunt into different um a conserved uh, locations such as Jebel Island, such as any mm. other location all over the cool. UAE. Yeah. So this is really, really fun and really engaging, actually. So people would think, oh, this is part of the environment that is, we think that we're scientists, but we're not actually scientists wearing their coats. Well, you know, I'd, I'd, almost, I'd almost argue the, the opposite. I think what, what we're trying to do here is trying to get people interested. I think the one mm-hmm. thing that I enjoy is being able to share what I know as a scientist, as a veterinarian, and then getting people sort of their interest peaked. And then suddenly that sort of creates momentum and then they go and start becoming citizen scientists or uh, what I would call maybe amateur scientists, mm-hmm. simply observation of nature or understanding the difference between this plant and that plant. Um, and then that starts more conversation. So I, I don't know if tricking is the right word, but we definitely get them getting them involved. Yeah. And I think that's very much an un- underrated thing, you know, to, uh, to adopt as a hobby or something, you mm-hmm. know, in our culture, I never saw that uh, someone would um, let's say become a grand grand or what is the word like an older person that looks into <laughs> flowers, right, or looks into birds. Which I mean, in other cultures, you would see that people will really invest a lot of time in doing that. I mean, being the oldest guy in the room, I can attest yeah. that as you get closer uh-huh. to forty, <laughs> which is happening very soon, um, uh-huh. you do get more interested in nature because you realize about how much you take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And not like the people in the room here, but there's definitely something, even as a as a veterinarian trained, um, even the, mm-hmm. the environment around us uh, to sort of take that for granted. And I think that's so important about what both Munir and Aisha are doing is to just create that interest early on as opposed to wait yeah. till you get too old. I see. So what is what is what is uh, what is your pick? Flamingos or what are you? No, no. Actually, I stopped. I in my garden, I started uh-huh. seeing birds. I used to here. I'm going to admit something. I used to yeah. not make fun, but I used to think like, oh, you know, bird watching. Huh, that's cute. Um, and now I'm totally like, oh, my God, look, there's a bird. <laughs> that's me now. Yeah. At almost 40. Sorry, Aisha, actually, go ahead. This is, this is me too in the streets. Oh, look at there's a cat. I just have to make sure that I'm not bumping into that cat or yeah, any well, bird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, basically, um, we're looking we're, we're, for in the connect with nature. We're making it more like uh, go out in nature, explore it, mm-hmm. see how you like it, um, breathe the fresh air. You know, yeah. feel it and engage your senses with the nature. So this is how we like people to make sure that they're engaged with nature in a mm-hmm. very natural way yeah it doesn't have to be very complicated yeah absolutely and that's i think right. that's I usually the best way yeah i i wonder munira are you familiar with these initiatives at all uh yes i've uh, i have been following a lot on social media uh they have 
they have been very active on posting these things. There's also they have been doing uh, uh, online lectures and uh, workshops uh, to mm. to engage more audience uh, and and gain more and like spread the knowledge. I guess. To say. Oh, Do you okay, have at the okay. university like a, um, a, any sort of activities like that as well? Uh, yes, we we have to. Well, recently. Uh, there, because of COVID, there has been a slow uh, movement on that part. Uh, but mm-hmm. there is constantly some workshops, I mean, and lectures going on in that matter. So yeah. they sort of had to adapt their uh, practices due to COVID, do you think? Yes. So because many of these before COVID were done in physical and face-to-face, and a big mm-hmm. part of it was done through campaigns and workshop. And mm-hmm. because of that, that was restricted. So they needed an adaptation. Uh, so uh, like other communities, they had to, like we had to come up with new different ideas uh, and ways to resume the activities and such th- these things by using platforms like Zoom uh, to conduct mm-hmm. them. And actually at the beginning, it was difficult to do. It was a little bit weird. But if, yeah. if we think about it from another way, it opened new possibilities. Uh, sure. Because mm-hmm. yeah, because before it was difficult to bring an international guest speaker to attend a physical uh, a conference true. or a physical workshop. Now, since it's done in a Zoom, he can do it from his own house, from his own office, yeah. in his own house, <laughs> in his own country. So that is one thing. Another thing is that we can have more audience than mm-hmm. before we were restricted by space. But now we have a virtual space limitless so you think people uh, so, more people can hear your message sort of because you have such yes, access yes mm. because of COVID, everyone went online so they have more mm. access so there's more interaction and more audience to this i wonder if they have also let's say they get the audience but have they gotten more interaction more interest due to yeah. this access i i actually think they do because like i've noticed around me like during this lockdown period and everything a lot of people like uh, like were interested into sustainability and nature like they were they started recycling they started find way of reusing stuff mm-hmm. uh, and if you think something very common that's happening with uh, COVID the masks the reusable masks something yeah. that we actually right now have in our own house as we take our shopping carts with us to the hypermarkets so definitely it's impacted people in one way or another and mm-hmm. a lot more I guess yeah with the situation of COVID, everybody really having those things they take for granted in the house now yeah. every day in front of them and they're starting to question. I always think it's interesting where um, you change a circumstance and you start generating new questions. Um, I did that a long time ago where I was looking at the garbage bin and we were trying to find, you know when you're trying to find the right bin? I don't know yeah. if it's like everybody has this challenge, yeah, but okay. how do I segregate my yes, waste yes. properly and make sure yep. it goes in the right direction? Um, and that's when I took up composting um, and was like, okay, how, how much of what we actually are throwing away can be composted? And it shocked me. There was a lot actually I could divert out of the bin. And then I started reading more and more. My, my thinking there, Munira, w- w- this is sort of like, again, this citizen scientist. But what about academic research in terms yeah. of like mitigating these community issues? What do you think, what is the role of, of the academ- academia to dealing with those. And then how are maybe agencies like Environment Agency of Abu Dhabi uh, playing their part? Yeah. So research plays a very important 
uh, and crucial uh, role in mitigating these issues, actually. Uh, before anything is tackled, we need to do a, uh, a very thorough uh, background uh, research and understand them. From then, we find out what causes them, what is the reason behind them. Uh, and these are all needs to be identified by experts in those fields. Uh, so mm -hmm. that the, and those who whom they do the research, uh, and then from that they can understand what is uh, they can they can come to know the severity and what is the impact that it can can lead sure. to on our world and our lifestyle, uh, and try find a way to mitigate the, that. So it can be from any field, from technical ones like from science and engineering, and also to mm -hmm. other ones like. Uh, like consumer behavior and psychological right. uh, and mind, uh, mindset. Oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. So all of that needs uh, like a lot of resources, uh, like human resource, money, tools, mm -hmm. uh, even reach, uh, like networking uh, resource. So uh, so an agencies like uh, the AAD, these agencies like can provide that support. Maybe not a hundred percent at all time, but whichever mm -hmm. capacity that they can. Uh, by providing them, uh, by connecting them to uh, with the right people, uh, providing them with the, this source of knowledge, and also uh, many of these agencies they serve usually as the uh, connection point between the researchers mm -hmm. uh, and other uh, relevant parties in that region. They definitely have a big role as well. So have you got like each department at the university has a track where they're dealing with something with the environment? Yes, yes. Uh, something, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where, where is all that research published? Do you guys have like a university journal or is are you publishing internationally? Yes. I'm curious because I understand that that kind of research, whether it's in the university or published internationally, gets used then to inform policymakers or legislators like the Environment Agency mm -hmm. to be able to address these things. So uh, these, uh, there are international journals uh, that are being published. There are conferences, uh, international oh, yeah, and local course. conferences. So all at all of these things, that they, these uh, these works uh, get published there, mm -hmm. and they can be accessed. All of these uh, platforms, they have their access point online. They can simply sure. just request access to those uh, findings, and they can. And in many universities, what they do is they uh, give their students and their faculty. Uh, and all of that free access point to these, like they yeah. have, uh, they like they 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 have on their uh, on their uh, usually on their portal and what's not mm -hmm. like a collective plat uh, platform that has everything. So essentially, all of our our student listeners, you should be able to access this. You mm -hmm. should be able to use this to your advantage and be better informed. And yeah, super. I'm I'm loving the fact that we can be able to essentially create more exposure for that kind of research. Mm -hmm. It's really, really critical to be able That's to make true. those I, kind of decisions. That's true. I, I wonder if any research stands out to you, any, either of you guys, Aisha or Munira, any, anything like recent? What's your favorite research? That's <laughs> the way I might put that. <laughs> <laughs> and by any chance, have you seen my name around there? I don't, I don't hey, <laughs> published. <laughs> Uh, given given my background, actually, uh, I specialized in space systems and technologies. Oh, cool. So, yes. So, there is a whole uh, ongoing talk on how to incorporate sustainability in that field because we have a lot of space waste and what's going on. It's not an art, but it's out there. But they're mm -hmm. trying to find a way to connect both what's happening on Earth and to happen, like, to, to incorporate it in space system. Uh, so that you is mean in terms of satellites, right? Like yes, readings. Yes. 
a satellite, a small experiments yeah. and what's not. Yeah. And even even for those uh, for the astronauts that are in the International Space Station and what's not uh, these mm. uh, these systems. Yeah. Yeah, you should yeah. you should look up space junk. That's a super interesting topic. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's really it's super, like I've 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 gone down that space rabbit hole. Junk. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they need recycling in space. I think we should. You you, know. you get into I think that. They subject, do recycling in space. They actually yeah, do. actually. <laughs> by the way, so the so the space station. Yeah. You know the the International Space Station is actually mm -hmm. a model for as circular a system as you can get where humans yeah. are living. Everything mm -hmm. is recycled. Oxygen, water, as much so. So actually, the International Space Station represents a model that we can use to experiment on how close the circuit or how close the circular mm -hmm. economy you can build. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's funny how we 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 can look to something man-made to be able to model things back uh, on Earth. So um, I don't want to really ask about how they recycle water. Let's just skip <laughs> that. You don't want to know. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, yeah. We can all read that on the internet. Uh -huh. uh. <laughs> so uh, I want to ask uh, both of you guys. This is a grand question. Um, and this is basically, we'll, we'll end on this question, right? Both of you can answer. How can the youth, right, help influence the behavior of the UAE local community? What is the role of the youth here? Uh, I believe that, like, and didn't believe Sheikh Zayed bin Sultan al Nahyan, may he so rest in peace, believed in the power of youth and um, in building better generations in the, to the future. And this strategy was embedded in the ruling system since ever. And mm -hmm. it's, it's a thing that everyone now in the community believes in that. So um, looking at youth suggestions and actions and motivations are always welcomed and looked after and supported. Uh, after that, then um, when we look at those actions that are coming from youth, they are basically directed towards the environment. They're way much supported because it's actually part of our history as UAE. Mm -hmm. Before, everything mm -hmm. used to be very That's scarce so and we used very little to make sure that we are living um, sustainably uh, in yep. general. And um, youth by nature have a humongous amount of uh, energy. And... Um, the willing to do for a better future, especially environmental future, since now it's a trend where people would be going and exploring nature and then they will be thinking, raising the question, how can we help the environment? How is this helping us as humans? And then they would be thinking way far into the future and thinking like, well, if this is protected now, then we can save it for our children and grandchildren. Yeah. So uh, bringing this thought process from this uh, age and this generation would be very helpful for the next uh, years to yeah. come, inshallah. Sort of like a multi-generational thinking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Munira, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I have uh, I have one thing to say to the to the youth is that don't wait for anyone to tell you what to do or look for somebody to do yeah. what you need to do. Be your own role model. Just because you didn't find you another someone around you that does some that does something good towards the environment to to look at them and follow them, that doesn't mean not to do it yourself. Start by doing that. The people around you will 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 take you as a role model, and mm -hmm. you didn't find someone, but then they will take you. So be your own role model. That's what I would like to say to the youth. That's a great one. Yeah, yeah. love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you both. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we really thank appreciate you. this, uh, Munira and Aisha. 
Yeah, guys. Well, thanks again from both of us. Um, Aisha, Munira, we hope to be able to hear from you uh, in the future again. And thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Thanks to everyone for listening. You can also hear the rest of our discussion on the environment on other episodes. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of those either. This is Majid Al-Qasimi. And Abdurrahman Zahabi signing out. Bye, Bye, guys.